I want to go to Joel chapter 2. I've got about just a window. Can, can you listen for about 25 minutes? I've got a word for you, and it's, it's, it's important that I get it over to you. God gave me the phrase restore, and um, there, there, there's a, a, God wants to restore you. We, we have um, one of our beautiful members, uh, Sherry Mitchell on the front row, her sweetheart, 52-year marriage, Ron Mitchell, the beautiful guitarist, the smiling, beaming chunk of sunshine, he went home to be with the Lord, and she's on the front row here, and she's just an elegant woman of God. Can we just all give Sherry a big hand? Just let her know we love her. She looks beautiful. Could you just stand up, Sherry? I want everybody to see how glamorous she looked today. She dressed up, hair's perfect, super cool jacket. I almost wore that jacket today to church, but I, we speak blessing over you. And, and I say this because he restores us. And even in a case of such significant, like a loss like this, because death is an enemy, right? And, and uh, we don't make light of it. It really is painful. I just spoke to a woman whose dad just died, and she's having to work through it. Then the good news is what I'm preaching to you about restoration. Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring recovery of sight to the blind. He came to give good news to the, the poor, the afflicted. Jesus, and then he, he practiced what he preached, and he went about doing good. He, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It shows clarification about the origin of things. The devil is the author of death, and he's a thief. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, on, the, on contrast, I have come, the good shepherd who's laying down his life, who came to restore, he said, I, come, I came that they, his followers, the believers, uh, may have life, not just have life, but have it abundantly. The God I know can help you out with your worn down battery and maybe even help you putter down the road without a battery if necessary. And I'm telling you, I, I'm not ashamed or apologetic about the supernatural aspects of God. I firmly believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe what Joel, the Hebrew prophet, prophesied is high category. This is the same one Peter quoted famously in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and there would be signs in the heavens, blood and fire and vapor of smoke and, and they're, they're, they're the, upon his handmaidens and his bondservants and this amazing uh, uh, power, the presence of the Holy Spirit would come on the church and on all flesh. Well, he also said prior to that, he said, then I will make up to you when the Redeemer, the Restorer, the Good Shepherd comes. One of the many aspects of Jesus' impact would be he would make up to you. This is important for those of us who feel like there's loss in our lives. We made missteps. We sinned. We failed. We had bad impositions from others. We were neglected. We were abused. We were victimized. Things were sour. Things went stale. Uh, uh, and this is a hope. This is a biblical truth that has come front, up front and center. This is an Old Testament verse, but man, it is more than sufficiently bumped up into the New Testament context. In fact, it's referencing the king of the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I will make up to you for the years the swarming locust has eaten. 
the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust. Listen, I'll tell you, uh, the, the beauty of this, uh, have you ever had things bug you? Have you ever had anything annoy you? That would be a gnawing thing. Just things gnawing at your head. I'm, I'm going to preach to where there's restoration in your thinking faculties. Some of you have been so bombarded, you're numb. Some of you have been down. Some of you have just kind of thrown in the towel. Some, maybe some of you just kind of backed off a few degrees. Man, it's my goal today to light a fire under you and help you to regain what has been lost. You may have even forfeited it. Adam and Eve literally forfeited through disobedience authority and position and connection with the Father. But Jesus came to restore it. And you should read Romans, the fifth chapter sometime. That's your homework. Read Romans chapter five. It contrasts the death that came through the sin of Adam and the amazing redemption that came through Jesus. This is why I'm a Jesus follower. Jesus is so wonderful that he would be willing to suffer and die for my sins. At Ron's service, Pastor John did such a beautiful job in the, in the message of, of unpacking John 3.16. Well, we all know John 3.16. Let's get ready to quote it. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So he gets up and he shares, there's a God. You have to acknowledge that he exists. And in the context of the service, Ron and Sherry, that's how they found each other. It was in that context. It was the basis of their marriage, of raising their kids, all those things, right? And Ron is present with the Lord because he believed in God and that he was a rewarder. And that he, then Pastor John talked about God so loved that he gave. Well, that it tells us that God's a giver. That goes back to John 10, 10 later on, where he said the thief is a detractor. He's a diminishing being. He comes to kill, steal, destroy. But on the other hand, Jesus, and we've got to get a hold of this, is the giver of abundant life. He's the giver of eternal life. He's the giver of life after death. He's the giver of a quality of life that heaven already enjoys. Uh, Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he says, I will make up to you where you've been ripped off. I'll restore to you. I, is it just, can we just pause and just be grateful that this is even in the Bible? Can we just be grateful that it's actually not adulterating the Bible for me to preach this? Can I tell you this is sound theology and good doctrine? Can I tell you I've studied this for decades and I'm telling you this is right and in fact it works? You know, even John, the apostle that Jesus loved, he said in one of his epistles, 3 John verse 2, in his greeting, on his letter, one chapter letter, he said, Beloved, I pray that in all aspects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Boy, that last part is more than a caveat. That last part is the foundation that from which everything else uh, works. The, 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 uh, the idea in Psalm 19, where King David said, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Oh, don't we need that? What's a soul? 
You know, I, there's soul music. There's, you know, I, I love Sly and the Family Stone. I love, you know, uh, uh, Reverend Al Green. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was, that, I, that's my favorite kind of music, actually. Uh, and it's because it's soulful, but it, 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 it's connected to the deep part of our being. Now, we understand, actually, we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And there's a distinction between spirit and soul. And I know this because in the scripture, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think it's verse 23, that he will sanctify us entirely and that our whole spirit and soul and body will be preserved complete. How many of you like to be preserved complete? That's restoration. So I'm going to make up to you where, look, even David, when he sinned in Psalm 51, 12, he said, God, I repent. And what is repentance? It's it's more than just feeling bad because there's a worldly sorrow that produces death. There's so much morbidity and depression, but yet people aren't changing their minds or willing to, to, to humble themselves and move from it. That's what the Greek word metanoia, it means to change your mind. And so there has to be, that's, that's what I think revival is. That's what I think the initial phases of repentance involves. And David was repenting for his sin against uh, Uriah and the, and the crazy thing he did with Bathsheba. And he asked God, he said in chapter 51, verse 12, he said, restore to me. Isn't God a restorer? Didn't he say, I will, I will make up to you for the years the locust has eaten? That which is outside, that which was beyond your control. They hurt me. They abandoned me. They abused me. I get it. I get it. There is provision for that. But also even where we failed in our own, the worst to me in my life, the the harshest stuff in my life is self-inflicted misery where I sinned and I lapsed. And yet I go to a God who is merciful, who says in Hebrews, draw nearer to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You can't make that up. That is beautiful. One time, one of the developers in the valley wanted to meet me and he had a special meeting, just he and I. And he said, I just wanted to meet my neighbor, the biggest neighbor in the valley next to me. And, and, and he said, what, 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 because he was seeing uh, all the volume of you guys coming and the levels in our church that we enjoy. And he said, are you, are, what are you doing? Are you giving free tickets out to heaven? I, I said, yeah. You know, he's trying to be facetious and come up with something funny. But actually, Jesus came to set captives free. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And listen, here's the thing. Soul prosperity comes from meditating on the word personally, from hearing good teaching, like in an environment like this, under the anointing like this, and and to stay steady with this. Um, He says, I'm going to restore to you. The creeping, the gnawing, the swarming, the stripping. And I think this, this, is, this applies to us. God's near the brokenhearted. So he is alighting upon, for example, Sherry in this new season of her life. She's going to find through her tears that God is there to comfort her. He's, he's going to be there for her in her waking hours. He's going to be with her in her sleep. He's going to stabilize her for the upcoming days. I know this because the Bible tells me so. And see, when we meditate on the word day and night and we're careful to do all that is written in it, then we'll make our way prosperous and then we'll have good success. So this is the imperative here 
that we, according to James chapter 1, we don't become forgetful hearers, but we become effectual doers. And that's why I want to drive this truth into practical application. So you say, that's my God. He's a restorer. And I need it in areas of my thought life. That's a big part of where we get attacked is in our thinking. And I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is, it echoes what's said in, in Ephesians 6, that, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness. Did you know there's a spiritual battle around us? Years ago, a novelist named Frank Peretti wrote a number of books. Um, uh, what was it? Something in darkness or this present darkness? And uh, other books like that, and and and, uh, and, it, and it it exposed the invisible and yet real world of satanic attack, and you know the nations lie under the power of the evil one, and even uh, Paul the apostle acknowledged that Satan is the small g god of this world. Now, if you get the theology like, hey, God has the devil on a leash and he's teaching me things. That doesn't work for me because then it's all origin and all even mandate is from God. Everything comes from God. No, not everything comes from God because the devil is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Bible says in a number of places to resist the devil. Why would he have us resist something that he had on his leash teaching us? We should just embrace all of it because case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. I don't adopt or embrace that theology. I understand the people that study it and are intelligent and loving and they're Christians and I love them. I don't agree with their conclusions. I believe that the devil is temporarily in a place where he roams about seeking someone to devour, and we are to resist him. And the way we resist him is by getting understanding that my God's going to restore me. My God, that my next days are going to be good. And even though they'll be different, they're going to be solid. And, and God's going to walk me through. And this is for you, Megan. God's going to help you with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says it this way in the New American Standard. I'll read it in another translation too. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. There's another translation that helps with this. Though we live an earthly life, we do not wage an earthly war. It's, it's, and, and marry that to Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Behind so much of what we see right now in the puppeteering of the nations, of the, 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 the divisiveness and the dividing between tribes in Africa, tribes in, in native-born societies, tribes in suburbs, tribes in... in, in the, the devil wants to divide and create division because a house divided against itself can't stand. And even duplicity in our own lives, the Bible says a double-minded man or a double-souled man is unstable in all his ways. So we need to drive back toward understanding the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy so we can resist him. And understand God so loved that he gave his only begotten son and that we, whoever believes. I'm a believer. I, I embrace these truths. When I watch on History Channel and they say, you're going to have to throw away all your beliefs and believe our theories, it's like, no, they, there was a guy who did that with the theory of evolution. I didn't buy that. I'm not buying this. There is a God in heaven who created a, you guys as intelligent as you are, as obvious as you've studied, as much budget as you have, as skillful as your, as your academics are, and as beautiful as your videos are. I don't agree. Politely, I agree to disagree agreeably. 
you know, even Paul, when he went to Mars Hill in Athens, the Areopagus, it was a place where they, it was like the United Nations of thought. You know, they were in there debating and discussing ideas, just wanting to hear some new novel thing. And they said, let's hear what this babbler of strange deities has to say. That was his introduction. Okay, is the microphone on? This babbler of strange deities. What's his name? Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Paul the Apostle. Make up your mind. Here he is. All right. And he says, uh, hey, you're... You guys are worshiping in ignorance. I want to proclaim to you there is a God. And he's going to judge the world in righteousness. And he's, he's ordered our times and the boundaries of our habitation. You guys, we're not out of time. And you have, listen, you have this window right now. And we are in a special opportunity. And I want to say something to you about regret and about morbi morbidity in your thinking. Just because the morning and part of the afternoon is gone in your life doesn't mean the evening is ruined. And in fact, it's, you can't have rosy thoughts about the future if you continue to carry blues about the past. So this is precisely why I'm teaching about restoration. As he says, I will make up to you, I will restore unto you for the years the locust has eaten. So even where Paul the Apostle failed in his own poor choices and, and painful sinfulness, that's clearly displayed in the Bible for all of us to see and take note of. God comes in in his mercy. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Yeah. Psalm 51.12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Nehemiah 8.10 uh, says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And yeah. Nehemiah had to say that to a people that were grieving over having lapsed and fallen so short of the laws of God. And in their restoration, they got all depressed. And he said, uh, eat the fat and drink the sweet, uh, like basically celebrate and take advantage and imbibe on the blessing. He said, don't be sorrowful, don't be morbid, don't be depressed, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He said then, and, and, and he said, sustain me with a willing spirit. And, and then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. This is precisely why I'm preaching restoration, because you're called to a ministry of reconciliation. You're called to be a forward presence of the kingdom of God. And the devil wants to chip away at you, wants to get you in a low-grade infection, wants you to get to withdraw, to hide your light. Uh, but yet the, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. This is why I appreciate repentance is such a wonderful thing because God invites us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And repentance isn't walking around in a guilt condemnation mode. Repentance is yielding to the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and, 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 and not sowing to the flesh, but endeavoring to every day say, Father, I trust you to strengthen me. I, I want to grow up in you. There's a growth potential, and I, I, I intend to mature in this thing. I, I want to, I, I believe you've, you, you, the path of the righteous is progressive. It's, it's, it's like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter to the full day, right? Now I'm coming and my time is, is running out, but in, in Proverbs 6.31, and I'll go back to 2 Corinthians 10, because I haven't finished that. He says, when the thief is found out, he's got to restore sevenfold. And I want to expose the enemy and his lies and bring, hopefully, revival to you. 
uh, restoration to your soul. In fact, Psalm 23, we go past this because, you know, the, the, we just read it so much, but let's just park on it. He, 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 the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's read it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. Say this out loud. He restores my soul. Say it again. He restores your mind, your emotions, your will, your thinking faculties. And he, and, he, and he restores you in the calling. And he restores you and gets you back on the path. And he takes you seriously and literally at your re recent uh, commitment. And he sees it. And he seizes upon it with abundance. He, he doesn't go, where have you been? He says, I'm so glad you're here. I had a pastor who helped me with prayer. He said, you know, God's not going, you haven't prayed enough. He's saying, I'm so glad you're here to pray. I believe that about the Lord. He said, you haven't been in church for six weeks. But he says, I'm glad you're here now. Right? I just see God as just so, he, like Patsy said to the graduates, the, 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 the devil pushes, but God draws. There's a difference. It's like you get under this impulse. It's like, I got I to gotta do this for God. It's like, but God's like, hey, come on, come on. It's a different kind of dynamic, isn't it? And he, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen, he said, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And he said, I will remember your sins no more. You guys, when this guy said, well, how is this growing? How is this, how is this phenomenon? This is an outside guy looking at this thing, trying to analyze the culture of the kingdom and a vibrant church with Jesus as the head and the Bible at its base and love as its atmosphere. What, are you giving away free tickets to heaven? Well, actually, yes. But it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. That's why we're ardently worshiping him. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for sacrificing and dying for us. It's a heavy metal band playing at the factory called Lamb of God. I think if you only knew the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us to embrace that restoration. Help, you know, last week we had some video uh, pictures of a, of a before and after of, of like a, a, a toy piano that uh, was just like all the, the veneer was all like warped like potato chips and the, and the keys were all swollen and broken and, and, the, and it, the, the cover color was all bleached out and, and then it showed the after picture where in the hands of a craftsman, a restorer, he's, he's meticulous and you know, like an engineer and he would take all the parts apart and he'd, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd take like an old uh, rusty a neglected toy train and turn it back into its original and maybe even better form. And then you look at that piano, I don't know if that picture is available, but that it, it just, the before and after, it's amazing. You could play sweet music out of it again. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, he, he is the restorer. I've watched people. You know, there's a verse, let's keep this on a musical instrument. Early in the church, I was reading in Isaiah, and it said, he won't throw away a bruised reed, and he won't snuff out a smoldering wick. And the Lord paralleled that with, 
He cares about us when we're wounded, even when we failed. And he, he wants to fan the flames instead of just going, oh, I'm tired of the smokiness off this Christian. Just filling the room with, with that, that smell. Just No, he goes and gets the flame back. And I'll tell you about the, the, the bruised reeds. I'm a wannabe flute player at my house. I've got a bunch of them, and it tortures the family. And now my, now my grandson has one, and now my granddaughter has one. And they're all going, toot, 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 toot. And I'm, we're playing around, and I'm like the Pied Piper running around with my knees up, you know, like the, And it, it, it is fun. That's why I'm getting in shape, so I can run around with my flute with my grandkids and try to follow after Dr. Greg. But uh, in the day that that scripture was written, they didn't have radio, they didn't have downloads, they didn't have CDs, they didn't have cassettes. They might have had eight tracks, I don't know. But back in the ancient Israel, they, they, had, they played their music for themselves. That's why bluegrass and American music is so amazing because, like for example, Delta Blues, I'll just go off on the side for a minute. There was a window, it was Alan Lomax who went with a, a, a tape recorder and recorded this profound bubble of music that was it was, it, was, it was, a lot of it was African-related uh, from um, the, the, the African-Americans, and there was some European, and it, ble- it blended together, and they played it on the porch because they didn't have radios, and they didn't get to go to concerts, and they were confined. But yet in that, in that setting, some amazing things were birthed. I appreciate American music, and I appreciate folk music, and I appreciate the church. I appreciate the individual members of the body of Christ. I appreciate the local church so much because God has fashioned us for certain purposes. He's created us in Christ for good works. And so they would make these flutes out of these reeds by the rivers, and and, and someone would carve them with, with their, their, their tools, and they would get these certain reeds that were hollow to begin with, and they'd let them dry, and then they'd work them, and they'd drill the holes with hand, all hand tools, and because of the nature of how brittle the material was, sometimes, sometimes, even in the hands of the craftsmen, it would crack, and they would throw them away. They'd break them over their knee and throw them away, so nobody would try to pick them up because it was, it was ruined. But for God, he'll take a broken reed, and he won't throw it away. He won't throw it away. He, 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 a bruised reed, he will not break. He's not going to take you and just throw you. He would say, wait, let's, let, I can make beautiful, I can make be- something beautiful out of your life. I can make, I can make, I who make all things new. I who am the restorer. Listen, get this. Say, Pastor Jeff, I've heard you preach this. Well, you're hearing me again because this is how you learn. I've learned how to bar cord, and it, I had, it, it, my fingers didn't cooperate. I've just been working it and working it and working it, and now it's starting to go back easier. Watching someone my age who's strengthened and developed and working so hard at it, it's inspiring. It's like, I, 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 could, I could do that. that. Looking at and seeing that the Lord is even inclined to restore us. And not only that, in Isaiah 58, 12, it says, those from among you, will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. 
That's why I appreciate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the church he came out, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and the time they prayed and the window they had to bring some help and health to a country that had lapsed and was not being honorable in these certain areas. And a prayer group of people made a difference. I, I love the idea that East, Eastern European uh, pastor Laszlo Tokas and his wife back in the 80s got in prayer uh, in the, and they kept getting bumped. Uh, they're Romanian uh, and they went, they were Hungarian Orthodox and they were people that loved the Lord Jesus. And they prayed behind the Iron Curtain under communism, under that atheistic system that denies God and treats people like garbage. And they understood God as a dignifier. They understood in the beginning God created. They understood they were loved by God. They were valued by God. And he doesn't break the reed over and throw it away. And he doesn't put out the fire. He puts fire in us. He'll cause a car to drive without a battery and a worship leader to sing without vocal cords if he has to. Abraham said he raises the dead. And he gives life to the dead. And he calls into being that which does not exist. Hear the word of the Lord. He said, I will restore to you for the years the locust is eaten. Might as well just take hold of it. Whatever area it is in your life, Lord, I receive. And you know, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. And that's what I was trying to get to with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. And I'm back. And I'm almost done. I'll finish with this. It says, though we live an earthly life, we do not wage an earthly war. Look at this. For... This is powerful, verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That might be a little technical to you, so I'm going to break it down in a little bit. Verse 5 says this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking... And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? It's a good verse. And, and in King James, it says that I like the way King James says it, verse 4 and 5. It says, uh, we're casting down imaginations. Casting down, see, they come up into our thought life and they're contrary to the word of God. We have every right because our weapons are divinely powerful through God. And we say, wait a minute, I take issue with that. That's a lie from the devil. I heard somebody say this, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. And I was in a cold plunge in my backyard right by my bird feeder, which the raccoons found, and I have a whole other issue with that. And I was sitting in this water really still, and it was during nesting time, and a bird landed on the back of, of the, and started tearing my hair out to make a nest. So I grew it out for them. And I, I flinched a little bit because it was pecking my skull. And, uh, and it took off like, whoa! See, I, I, couldn't stop it from, I couldn't stop it from trying, but I flinched a little bit and I shook that dude off. So, or lady, I guess. So thoughts come to us, but we don't have to let them take residency. A, a, a thought may come to us, but we are invited to cast down imaginations. And that's really literally, we'll finish with this. Let's stand up on our feet. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen, we get our minds renewed. 
the, the musicians, I want them to end with the special, the Johnny Cash rendition of uh, I Shall Not Be Moved because it's, it's, it's Psalm 1. How blessed is the, is the man who, who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or, or live in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. You know, you've come to this house. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know whether you're born again or not. Jesus said you must be born again. How many of you have had that new birth experience and you have assurance of your salvation? In case you don't, this is an environment that preaches you can be saved. Saved from sin. Saved from eternal separation from God. Saved from futility. Saved from being constantly bombarded by the enemy. You'll still have to fight, but you get weaponry and you get victory. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open up to him. Repentance is, okay, I'm changing my mind. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Out on the patio, I've had a guy say, I was an atheist, and now I'm a Christian. I said, that's great. He goes, no, you don't understand. Like he was a hardcore, harsh dismisser of the ideas of God. And now he's a warm-hearted embracer of a heavenly father. And that's a... That pivot is amazing, and God will grant us repentance. He did that with Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. I don't know what road you're on, but, man, you could turn around at any point, have a 180, and get after it, and I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you have decided to follow Jesus? Aren't you glad he's not going to snuff out your fire? He's going to keep it vibrant? I'm telling you, you're looking at somebody who's been helped by God over and over and over again, and I mean it what I'm preaching. He's been good to me. He's good to me when I was really doing great. He was good to me when I got cold and, and distant. He, he's been good to me when I was studying my Bible, and he was good to me when I was uh, passive about it. He's just faithful, right? And he keeps always causing us to triumph. How many of you could use some, in some area of your life a visitation from the restorer where he comes in on your, come on, he comes in on your dreams, he comes in on your finances, he comes in on your relationships, God knows how to turn things around like no one else. And as we cast our cares on him, and as we cast our burden on him, we'll be like trees planted by the water. We will not be moved. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I do love you. I respect what you're doing. And I believe for healing over my household, miracles in our country, in my church, St. Louis Bi-State area, all the nations, all the time, the glory of God covering the earth. And my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys.